Job knew that his value was never his confidence, his security, his stability, his well-being, his opportunity was never in the camels and the sheep and the donkeys and all of those things. His stability and security he only found in his Redeemer. And consequently, because he knew that, his Redeemer spoke and acted on his behalf. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles, and I am so, so excited to end Job, the whole series of Job, the whole everything of Job. Job, today is the revelation of Job, Job part six. And um, we, oh my gosh, you guys, I... While I was studying this and putting together my outline, I was so encouraged, emotional. I kind of don't want Job to end. Like, I mean, I do because I've really paid for doing. The enemy has made me pay. There has been a cost associated with this series for your girl. But I have grown such a love for him And such a love for the principles of the word of God that Job has encouraged me with. And I pray that you have been encouraged as well. When God gives us like a new perspective on something, you know how when you, you like you've heard it and you kind of like tongue in cheek say, yeah, I totally get it. Or I understand. And you really don't. You know, those times where you're like, yeah, I get it. I understand. I, I, you know, and then you study someone like Job and you go through something like Job has, maybe not to that extent, but a portion, a fraction of it. And you realize, I understand. I get this. I need this. This is life to me. Um, that's kind of how I felt about Job. Oh, I love him. I love this book. One of the best books in the Bible. I mean, how could you choose? But this is a good one. Um, Okay. Welcome to the Autumn Mile Show today. We'll get to Joe part six. We had like so many storms last night come through Dallas. So everyone is so messed up. (laughs) We're getting to Joe part six after the break. There has been so many things happening in my world you guys and it's hard to pick one thing because I feel like there's there's so many things I think the biggest thing that's happening in my life right now is my kid Grace so she is she looks at me the other day and she says mom I have to renew my license and I said okay why (laughs) like you just got it cupcake why do you need to renew your license and she said oh because I'm turning 18 And like in Texas, like it's like a thing, I guess. I don't know. I didn't turn 18 in Texas, but she's telling me it is. And apparently it is. I'm turning 18. And I (laughs) stopped everything I was doing. And for some reason, that statement of my child, like, you know how time freezes and you're like, what? Like, you are going to be a non-minor? What? (laughs) And here I'm thinking about all of these things, like, what an 18-year-old can do. Vote. I mean, what else can they do? (laughs) Lots of other things. And they're a non-minor. Like, you know, on every paper across the entire world where it says, if you're under 18, you know, have a parent or guardian sign this. She doesn't need that anymore. What is happening to my life? And so she turned 18. Um, She actually turned 18 yesterday. And 
we're in this process of this is like a weird feeling okay now i know like technically obviously she's gonna still live at home and stuff like that she's not leaving yet she's not leaving for college or whatever but is there not something significant about the number 18 when your kid turns 18 i mean it's like whoa I don't know. I'm still tripped up by it. Anyway, I now have a nine minor child. And that is weird. It's so weird because I remember the days when she was two. And I was like, wow, this is, you're two. <laughs> we have a long ways until 18. And then I just turn, mom, I need to renew my license because I'm going to be 18. What is happening to my life? Okay. Another thing that happened, you know, right in line with this is my we call them babies. I need to call them something else because they'll look at me regularly and they're like, Mom, we're not babies anymore, even though I call them babies because they're not twins and I never want to give them a title that they're not, okay? They're two individual people, Moses and Haven. But they realized that at their age this week, they can do a lot more than they thought. And this, like, just happened over this weekend. Like, you know, at the fair, they can ride, like, certain rides that they couldn't ride and, like, all this kind of stuff. And they're riding these rides together, and they do not need an adult. And so now they are asking everywhere that they go if there's, like, a, a challenge with their age. Well, I'm eight. Can I do it? <laughs> and I'm, like, watching them do this, and uh, it's, like, what is happening? That's kind of how I feel. I'm in this dazed moment where I'm thinking my kid is a non-minor anymore, and my Eight-year-olds, they're not babies. They're, you know, a young, beautiful girl, a young lady, and a young gentleman. And here I am <laughs> thinking they were going to be a little forever. It's just, it's weird. It's a weird, a weird sensation, a weird season. But um, anyway, that's really all I want to tell you is that it's, I'm just like weirding me out. It's totally weird me out. I don't know what to do about it. Like, it's weird. Anyways. That's what's happening in my mind. In my mind. That's what's happening in my mind. <laughs> Help me with my mind. <laughs> and in my life, we're looking at a totally kind of different landscape to our life these days, which is fun. I'm actually enjoying This is the funnest. All stages are fun. Or they have their elements. But I just love having older kids. It's just so fun. They're like people. <laughs> they have perspectives. They have opinions. You have conversation with them. I think having older kids is so much fun. I am super loving this season of parenting. So anyway, that's what I was going to share with you. I'm weirded out in my mind because my kid is no longer a minor. What am I going to do with that? Anyways, after the break, we will talk all about restoration. Who needs to hear about restoration today? Isn't that the greatest word of all time? Restore. God restores. He restores. He restores. He restores. Can't wait to share it with you. I'll be back after the break. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Looking for a passionate speaker to bring the word of God for your next conference or church function? We've got the girl for you. Autumn Miles is the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries with the goal of spiritually challenging the way people think. Autumn is dedicated to teaching the Bible in an engaging and relatable way so that everyone can experience the Lord in a deeper way. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she's passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. So what are you waiting for? You can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement today. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, we are back, you guys. Restoration. 
That is what we're talking about today. Can God restore? Does God still restore? What does God need in order to restore? You guys, we have been on such a journey with my boy, Job, uh, my new bestie, Job, and we have come so far with him, you know, from learning about the fact that God looks and studies our character to see if we're worthy of testing, knowing that we'll pass the test, to see that the enemy is on a limit. He is on a leash. Just very clearly, the Bible shows us that he only has the power that is allowed to him by God. To seeing Job worshiping after he lost everything to seeing his wife forsake him, what happens when your friends get it wrong, because sometimes the enemy will use those close to you to discourage you the most, to see how transparent can we actually be with God. I love that one. We got so much feedback on that. Uh, I think it was the Job part uh, four, I think. So much, so much feedback. I needed to hear this. I wasn't taught that I could be transparent with the Lord. I've always been scared of the Lord. I've always been scared of what was going to happen if I was truly transparent. So much on that. If you need that, go to Joe part four. Last week, we talked about God showing up after 38 chapters of Job where God says nothing. He says nothing. He has basically allowed Job's life to be completely destroyed. And he says nothing. He is silent. His silence does not equate his absence. Even when he is silent, his eyes are on the situation. He was fully aware of everything that Job was saying. His friends were saying, we know that because of Job 42, God referencing it to this week. Job part six, restoration. This is going to be like a giant hug. Remember what Job lost. Let me read it for you before. Job lost all of his oxen, 500, all of his donkeys. He lost all of his sheep, He lost all of his camels. He lost all 10 of his children within minutes. He found out about this. Here we have a man that had so much. He was incredibly wealthy. And we talked about that in Job chapter one. And in a minutes, he lost everything. Not because he was evil but actually because he was righteous. God wanted to prove several points. Have you ever gotten to the point where you you go through a trial, a severe one? I think of like illness, an illness, a loss of a child, a loss of a marriage, a parent, just great loss. And maybe that's why so many of you guys are listening to this series, because you know great loss, you know great pain. There inevitably is a point in most of the harshest trials of our lives when we wonder to ourselves, can this be restored? Is God this powerful? Is God this mighty? Is God this willing? Because inevitably we go through great loss. And if you haven't gone through great loss yet, just keep on going because you're going to run into it. There is a state of grief that we can reach where we just think, I don't see myself coming out of this. There's a state of depression that we can reach, like just like Job did, where we can, he Cursed the day he was born. We read that. There is financial ruin that you think has ruined you for the rest of your life. You cannot see 
how anything could be restored. If you haven't been there yet, keep going. I have been right here. I've been in the tension between, I know God, you are good. I know God, you are there. I know what your word says. I've studied this book forever. I've studied you forever. I am a student of you. I am a student of your character. I am a student of your ways. However, <laughs> how? How can you restore this? And inevitably, in God's abundant resources, he comes through. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't even know what caused it. But somewhere in the riches and the wisdom of God comes a seed of hope that grows into great restoration. Job knew this. In Job um, 19, Job says this, in the middle of, now this is smack dab in the middle of the book. There's 42 chapters in Job. This is just shy of halfway through the book. He makes a statement after he has lost everything. He's going back and forth with these friends who get abundantly rebuked by God. And he makes this statement. In Job 19, 25, he says this, as for me, as for me, he's talking about him exactly where he was with everything lost, all the camels, all the donkeys, all the oxen, all the sheep, all the kids, all the everything with boils all over his body. As for me, I know that my redeemer lives and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. He will take his stand on the earth. Job knew that his value was never his confidence, his security, his stability, his well-being, his opportunity was never in the camels and the sheep and the donkeys, and all of those things. His stability and security, he only found in his Redeemer. And consequently, because he knew that, his Redeemer spoke and acted on his behalf. I want to read the last section of Job, if I can get through without crying, because it's just, it is just so ministered to me so deeply. Job 42. Now I've touched on a couple of things that happens in Job 42. I would like to breeze over the first seven chapter seven uh, verses. We're not, I'm not going to say much about him because I talked about him last week when he says, I have proclaimed that which I didn't understand. Things too wonderful for me. Basically I talked out of turn. I did not know what I was saying. Okay. I love that. Job answered the Lord and said, Job 42, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I do not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak. I will ask you and you will instruct me. I have heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes sees you. Therefore, I retract and I repent and dust and ashes. That was Job speaking to God. Verse seven says this, it came about after the Lord had spoken these words, which we talked about last week, go listen to last week, that the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite. So he speaks to Job. He has something he wants to say to Job, but he says it. And then Job speaks back to him. And then he turns his attention to these friends. <laughs> Which is why I say, beware, people, of the advice that you give other people. Because 
don't just say what you think. You have got to have heard from God before you give advice. I don't care what your Sunday school teacher said 35 years ago. Listen to me. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit before you go giving someone advice, especially someone in this great of a state, not understanding what God is trying to do. I am so I don't want to say fearful, but as in that neighborhood, I am very reverent and respectful when I give people advice because just because you think you know does not know that you know the mind of God and what he is trying to execute via your friend, okay? Um, we hear this a lot where, oh, there must be sin in their life. Well, no, there was none in Job, but that's actually what one of his friends says. Beware and be careful because God will not like it when you speak for him out of turn. I'm just telling you. And this is what he says. It came about after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite. <laughs> this is what he says. <laughs> My wrath is kindled against you and against your not my friends, your two friends, because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. This should send a shiver down your spine. If you're one of those people that is, has an excess of advice, just send a little shiver. My wrath is kindled against you because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. It doesn't mean that they were saying blasphemous things. It was just maybe the right thing in the wrong context. It was the right thing aimed at the wrong situation, okay? What they thought God was doing because they were so smart was not what he was doing. I do it like this, you guys. I do it like this. If someone comes to me and they're like, I really, really need your um, advice on something, I'll say, okay, give it to me. And then I might say a couple really stupid things. And then I start to pause because I catch myself going into counseling autopilot. I will pause and I'll think about it. And while they're talking, I'll be praying. And if I don't have something clear that the Holy Spirit gives me, I'll say, you know what? Let me think about that. Let me think about it and I'll get back to you. And I will pray about it, think about it, and I'll get back to them. Because I am, when it comes to speaking for God, I don't want to do anything that he, uh, say anything that he doesn't want me to say. And when he does want me to say it, it is life-giving to that person. It doesn't cause them to do what Job did, go into a deep depression. Okay. Verse 8, now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls. Now he's talking to the friends, the Eliphaz and the other two friends. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls, seven rams, and go to my servant Job. Take the bulls and the rams to Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job will pray for you. <laughs> so basically... Go bake 45 humble pies, chew them, swallow them, and then go visit Job. My servant Job will pray for you. Four. Think of all the stuff that they said. This is why God said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. This is why cupcake. You do not, if someone wrongs you, if someone offends you, and there's so much offense and everyone's offended about everything. You know, your hair is too blonde. I'm offended. Oh my gosh, people. Someone the other day, I put a post, I put a post up. I saw, I caught this myself. I don't catch all of, all of them anymore. I used to catch more of them, but now I'm just like, I don't even care. <laughs> but someone, I put this long post that I had thought about so much. <laughs> up and I'm thinking someone is going to be ministered by this and rather than spelling out the whole Holy Spirit I did capital H capital S and someone you know I'm sure they have their doctorate in divinity <laughs> but they said I just really am offended that you didn't put you know the full Holy Spirit I mean I prefer to be 
the whole Holy Spirit. I'm thinking to myself, where is the grace in the body of Christ? Where did it go? Here I am serving you and you're rebuking me for giving capital H, capital S instead of the Holy Spirit. Lord, little does that person know that Yahweh, literally, they put up four letters, uh, which was an abbreviation for the term Yahweh. But, you know, what up? Take all the burnt offerings to Job. For I will accept him because you got it wrong. So that I might not do with you according to your folly because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. All the different times that someone offends us like that girl with the HS and whatever all those different times that people wrong us and we're thinking what in the world I was doing what God told me to do I was doing what was right God has a way of taking things into his precious righteous hand and showing the whole world who was right and who was wrong you do not have to be your own attorney you do not have to defend yourself constantly to people you step back and you say god do you see what's going on here could you please take care of it and take care of it he did when it came to job's friends they were shaming him but in the end, God looked at them and said, you're the ones who should feel shameful because you spoke out of turn. So therefore, go sacrifice, <laughs> go, go meet Job. And verse 9 says this. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shutite, Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, went and did as the Lord told them. And the Lord accepted who? Job. There is a restoration of character that is going on here. These three friends judged, mocked, condescended, gave bad advice, tore up Job's reputation based on their assumption. And these guys, they, they weren't bad guys, you guys. These were good guys. They were successful guys. And sometimes restoration comes through things, which we're going to get to. But God is just as interested as restoring your character, restoring your, the perception that you are actually, in fact, integrous. He is just as interested at preserving your reputation as he is restoring material things to you. The beautiful thing about God is that he, and we'll get this to this, I, I'm in the middle of reading it. He doesn't just stop at stuff. God restores our character. You guys, when I got a divorce as the pastor's kid, I had the worst reputation ever. <laughs> such a bad reputation because I was slandered. I was lied about. I was, you know, everyone was judging everything that I did. They thought I was, you know, I don't even know what they thought. I heard a lot and it bothered me so bad until one day it didn't because the Lord spoke to me and he said, don't you worry about your reputation. I'm going to fix that for you. And little by little over the years, you guys, God has restored that to the same people that tore me down in the first place. He's not just worried about restoring your stuff. He wants to restore your character and your reputation as well. Verse 10, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he parade for his friends <laughs> so here we got the friends gotta eat some humble pie job's gotta eat some humble pie 
It's not just on the friend's part. Job had to pray for his friends. And the Lord increased all that Job had to fold. Now, I got to get to this verse because it is a principle in scripture about restoration. This is how I knew that us being scammed in the adoption was not going to be the final word because of this verse and out of Isaiah 61. Instead of your shame, Isaiah 61, 7, you will have a double portion. Well, guess what comes before Isaiah? Job. Job, instead of your shame, I'm going to double all of your fortunes twofold. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. Instead, it's almost like the Bible goes together. <laughs> instead of your humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. And listen to verse eight, it's just as good as verse seven. For I, the Lord, love justice. <laughs> I hate robbery in the burnt offerings and I will faithfully give them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. That is your God. Instead of your shame, I know you went through a lot. I know you feel shame. But instead of that, let's be done with that. I will give you a double portion. Job, you went through a lot, buddy. <laughs> you went through it. It was hard. It was frustrating. You went through it. And instead of your shame, Job, because I love you, because your character withstood it all. For I know that my Redeemer lives. Instead of your shame, I am going to give you a double portion and you will shout for joy because of your portion. I'm not going to leave you in shame. That's not going to be your home. Your home is not going to be the destitution that you have faced for some 38 chapters. Instead of that, I'm not only going to restore what was lost, I'm going to double it. I am going to double it. I'm going to double it instead of your shape. You're not just going to get back what was lost. I'm going to double it. This is a principle in scripture. I just heard a story the other day of something crazy that God asked someone to do. And he did it. And he didn't want to do it, but he did it. And because he did it, I think it was a year or two later, he was restored the full amount that uh, God told him to give and an extra portion. This double portion thing, I have lived with my kids. I have lived this. I have lived double portion life. Do you know everyone said just double for your trouble? <laughs> you know, I think that's a, God gives you double for, I think that's like a line, like from, you know, the 80s or whatever. But it's a principle. We see it in Job. We see it in Isaiah. And the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. Then all his brothers, and I love this too. So he took care of his reputation. Listen to all the restoration that God did. He took care of his reputation um, with Eliphaz and the, his little homies. He restored, he increased all that Job had twofold. So he's restoring all of his stuff. And then he restored him emotionally. And I don't think we understand, you know, a lot of times we look at this and we're like, wow, he restored all the stuff, which Job never asked for, which we talked about last week. He never asked for his stuff to be restored. But because he was banking on his redeemer, God blessed him. So he restored his reputation. He restored his stuff. And now he's restoring him emotionally. Listen, then all his brothers and all his sisters and all who had known him before came to him. They ate bread with him in his house. They consoled him, his sisters and brothers, isn't that precious? And comforted him for all the adversities that the Lord had brought on him. And each one gave him one piece of money and each a ring of gold. 
God just isn't interested in restoring your stuff. He wants everything that is lost to be restored. God is a God of total restoration, total restoration. He is not a God of partial restoration, total restoration. His reputation, his stuff, him emotionally restored. Verse 12, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. I love this. The latter days, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm 56. Well, you know what? (laughs) Job at this point was 70 years old. And God was like, I ain't done with you yet. I'm going to bless your latter days. I'm going to put a blessing on them more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep. How many did he start off with? 7,000. He had 6,000 camels. How many did he start off with? 3,000. He had 1,000 yoke of oxen. How many did he start off with? 500. And 1,000 uh, female donkeys. How many did he start off with? 500. So he doubled the portion. He had seven sons and three daughters. Now, this was interesting because he didn't double his kids. He had the same amount of kids because he had 10 kids that were passed away in the beginning. And I was thinking about this and I think, you know, camels and donkeys are one thing, but children, you know, there's no way that you could replace one of my kids. I mean, they are irreplaceable. You know, you, they're your legacy. And I was thinking about this while he could not replace the 10 children. I mean, God could, if you want to do, but these 10 kids were a great comfort to Job that he had. He, he named his first, he had seven sons and three daughters. He named his first Jemima and the second Keziah and the third Karen Hapuk. <laughs> In all the land, no women were found so fair as Job's daughters and their father gave them inheritance among their brothers, which was awesome. The girls got what the boys got. Yes. 16. After this, after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and grandsons four generations. And Job died an old man full of days. After this, he was 70 when all this stuff happened. He lived an additional 140 years after this. So do the math on that. What is the math on that? Let me see. I mean, we're talking 200 and some odd years old, guys. God restored. Did God restore instantly? No. It takes nine months to grow a baby. No. The restoration over time happened, though. And at the end of his days, in his 200s, we look at Job, and he has been restored with a complete and total double portion. We started this by saying a couple of things. Why? Why would God allow this? And I gave you four reasons in Job part one. Number one, God's glory. If you do not see the glory in the power of God restoring Job fully, (laughs) read the book again. We see God's glory on full display. We see God's glory on full display when he begins to talk in Job chapter 38 and talk about all of the things that he's in control of and how he knows things that are secrets to us and how he provides things that we'll never know about, how he operates. So why did God allow this? Number one, for his glory. I said it was Number two, for the honor of Job. Look at how Job was honored. His friends honored him. The enemy saw that Job, you can't mess with Job. He could never take his faith. He got it wrong. So the enemy also had to look at Job and know and live with the fact 
that when the enemy gave it all he had, it wasn't good enough to ruin and have him surrender his faith. The enemy's best wasn't good enough to take Job's faith. So we see Job honored. And just publicly, everyone around, after God started giving him all the stuff with all the, you know, camels and everything, had to acknowledge, we got this one wrong. Number one, God's glory. Number two, the honor of Job. Number three, the explanation of providence. God showed us the enemy has limits. God is ultimately in control of the enemy, and he cannot do what God does not allow him to do. It showed us, almost like under the curtain, what happens in the throne room. It shows us how much in control he is. It shows us why we can trust our Savior. Number four, I said encouragement of the afflicted. Let me ask you this. Over the past six weeks, have you been encouraged? Do you have a new best friend? Is Job your new best friend? I know he's the greatest. Okay. First Peter 5 10 says this after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, God himself, perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Let me ask you this. Was that done in the book of Job? Yes, it was. God stepped up to the plate and said, now I'm going to have my way. Your trial will end. Your suffering has an expiration date. It will end. And God will begin to restore as he has promised you. Nothing is too far gone. What do you think God needs in order to restore something? nothing. If you have nothing, he can restore something. He needs nothing to restore but himself. Your trial has an expiration date, just like Job did. The the suffering stopped. Satan could not stop God who stopped Job's trial. Satan could not stop Job from believing. Satan couldn't stop restoration and blessing. He had to stand by and he had to watch it all. What does God need in order to restore something? He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything. He needs himself. I want to just end with this because we started with this. A verse that has brought me through, oh my gosh, so much. And it's this, Psalm 7120. You who have shown me Many troubles and distresses will revive me again. You will bring me up again from the depths of the earth. May you increase my greatness and turn to comfort me. You who have shown me great and severe distresses will revive me again. The restoration of God the principle of God. Look at Jesus. He didn't stay dead. He resurrected. The resurrection and restoration of God is what he specializes in. The dry bones didn't stay dry. They came to life. Lean in to the God that has the power to fully restore your situation. Allow this to encourage you that if God did it for Job, he'll do it for me. Lord, we are so grateful for your servant, Job. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a tangible example of what endurance looks like, of what patience looks like of what faith under fire looks like. Thank you, Lord. 
I pray for those out there that just desperately needed like a hope. I pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage them with the book of Job and how it ends. He didn't stay destitute. You restored everything to him double. I thank you that you are that kind of a God. To me. To us. To all of us. We do not have to drown in depression. We do not have to drown in disappointment. We do not have to drown in our trials because we have you. You. The God who knows the way to restoration. We have you and we thank you, Lord, for you. I pray that this would encourage my, my people, Lord, my family. Spirit of the living God, begin restoration right now in all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be back in just a second to end out this awesome series. I'll be back. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God. While I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangster Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, I have an awesome testimony that I just love because y'all know how much I love the Holy Spirit. This is our testimony for today. I've been taking a class at my church, and last weekend we spent a whole day talking about the Holy Spirit. I felt like God was speaking directly to me and dealing with very specific things all day. I was brought to tears many times throughout the day, and I'm so thankful to be part of something like this. I've been talking about it nonstop and wanted to share it with you as well. When we are open to him, the spirit definitely speaks. You know, my entire team is doing a book on the Holy Spirit right now. And I don't know how people live without him. <laughs> I just don't. I do not know how people live their lives without the direction of the Holy Spirit. So when I saw this come through, I was like, oh my goodness gracious, how encouraging. Lean in, listen in. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you in your situation? This woman has just found the power that the Holy Spirit has and how personal he wants to be in your life. He is not at arm's length. He is right there ready to direct and to guide you. So, oh, I love that testimony. Okay, here's a question. And this is a good question. I have a question that I'm hoping you can answer maybe on the podcast. Well, hello, we're answering on the podcast. Very recently, I watched a sermon and the speaker said, God is not in control. There is not a verse in the Bible that says that God is in control. This disturbed me. I never thought of dominion and control being different. Would you be willing to unpack that? Now, I'm going to need a whole entire message to unpack that. But let me just give you the bird's eye view of what I think. Clearly, I didn't read the message. I didn't see the message, and I don't exactly know what you're talking about. But I would say I might put it in a little bit of a different way if you're asking me personally, which you are. God is not controlling. 
God has given us a free will. It talks about it in the scripture. He is a God that is so good that you could choose him or not. That's totally up to you. He is not controlling, but he is in control of everything. And I would put it a little bit different way when it talks about just read Job 38. Just read the passage. It might not say God is in 100% control. There might not be a verse say that. But the Bible alludes to that over and over and over and over again. Okay. The Bible says things like the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord, like rivers of water. He, he moves it. Uh, your steps are ordered by the Lord. Those things like that. He doesn't make us do anything. He gives us the free will. That's what's so amazing about him. He's not a tyrant. He's not a dictator. But he is ultimately in control. Because we know who loses and who wins at the end of this thing. And if he wasn't in control, he wouldn't be able to do that. Okay. So I don't know what message that you listen, listen to or whatever, but that would be my take on it. He does not control us. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and we are able to respond to his promptings. But that does not mean that we have to be forced to do what the Holy Spirit says. It is in our best interest and we should do it, but we have free will. So he is ultimately in control, but he is not controlling. Does that make sense? I hope that helps. I'll have to unpack that when I have like, you know, 50 minutes, but I got to go for today. I got to run. I love you guys. Next week, brand new podcast. No more Job. We're done. I'll see you guys then. I love, love, love you so much. I will talk to you soon. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Miles Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.